about four years ago, there was a really famous story that kind of took the world by storm. It went viral in a matter of instant, uh, in, uh, in an instant, uh, in a matter of seconds. Uh, but as often happens when you get around Thanksgiving time, you begin to ask family, well, what are your plans? What are you doing? With the expectation, if you're coming to my house, I need to know if you're coming to my house so I can cook you food kind of a deal. Does anybody have those conversations with their family? Are you, where are you going to be? Wh- whose house are you going to this year kind of a deal? Um, like I've got family in Carrollton, in Frisco, in Houston, in Richardson, in Ardmore. And so, okay, well, where are you going this year on Thursday, on Friday, who are you going to be with, where are you going to see, okay, you're here now, who are you going to see on Christmas, you know, that kind of a deal. And uh, we've been texting and, and figuring stuff out, uh, but in that process, this story from four years ago, this, this grandmother, her name was Wanda, texted her grandson and said, you know, if Thanksgiving dinner is going to be at our house at like 4 p.m., uh, or probably not 4 p.m., because uh, like every good American, you're watching the Cowboys then. So at like 2 p.m., uh, <laughs> joke. and so uh, they're going to come over. So bring, come, bring your girlfriend. We're going to have Thanksgiving. It's going to be great. And uh, so she sent that text out because she had texted everybody else in the family. And uh, she got a reply from the number she thought was her grandson, and he said, who is this? Anybody ever send a text like that, and you get one back saying, who is this? And all of a sudden, you're thinking, what did I text them? Uh, but the grandmother sent that, and got the, who is this? And uh, she replied, it's your grandmother. What do you mean, who is this? And he said, you're not my grandmother. <laughs> I don't know who you are. Uh, and uh, she sent a picture, says, I am your grandmother. He said, and he sent his picture back and said, no, you are not. <laughs> and uh, said, not even close. They were different ethnicities. And uh, he said, you are not my grandmother but can I still come on Thanksgiving? <laughs> she said, come on. I, I do what every good grandmother does. I feed you. And uh, so he came. Uh, so the grandmother's name was Wanda. She was married to Lonnie. And uh, Jamal was the young man's name. He started coming for Thanksgiving. This was 2016. And uh, every year since then, that's been the case. He's come to their house, and he since got a girlfriend, and she comes for Thanksgiving. And uh, last year, Jamal hosted Thanksgiving for Wanda and her family at his place. Uh, And so they're now this adopted family going into a Thanksgiving season uh, with great anticipation and expectation and love for each other, who four years ago at this time had no idea who each other was. But because of a Thanksgiving spirit, a Thanksgiving heart, a Thanksgiving mindset, they were able to participate in a Thanksgiving meal, that it wasn't just a one-day type of deal for them. It changed everything. Anybody ever see, see that story when it went around? The, yeah, it's a great story. If not, look it up. Uh, it's incredible uh, with Wanda and Lonnie and Jamal and the love they have for one another. Well, today we're going to start looking at what it means to be thankful, to have a Thanksgiving spirit, a Thanksgiving mindset. You know, we have a couch on the stage, and that's not just some random prop. Uh, and so, I mean, this, this message today is called the, the Mindset Couch. What you put on the couch weighs it down in your mind. And so we're going to get to that in just a little bit. But we're going to go to one of the uh, uh, very uh, powerful, honestly, one verse on Thanksgiving today. Uh, next week we're going to look at something else, but... Uh, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. 
1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Uh, you can, it'll be on the screen. It'll be on the screen online. If you're watching, you can look it up in the Bible there in front of you or if you brought one there as well. It's also on our website. All of our notes and everything are there on our website. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul writes this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, a couple of things I want to point out first. This first thing isn't in my notes at all. But notice that that's an instruction. Paul says, give thanks. He says, give it. Not, not that thanks should be a, a reaction or a response. He instructs us, give thanks. In all circumstances, even when circumstances are difficult and frustrating, and, and honestly, most of the time, not worthy of thanks. He doesn't say, be thankful for the hard things. He says, give thanks in the hard things. But notice that it's an instruction, and, and we can tell each other we need to be thankful and things like that, but a lot of times, maybe this isn't the case with you, our thankfulness is, is more of an involuntary response to something good that happened in our lives, or something that made us happy in our lives, rather than it's an instruction from Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, to live a thankful life. In the same way, let, let, me, let me put it a different way, you know, in Scripture, Scripture gives us the instruction to honor one another. And it gives us the instruction to respect one another. But how often have we said or heard somebody say, respect is earned, not given? But Scripture says, as an instruction, respect. Scripture says, as an instruction, honor. You see, when we say to somebody, you need to earn it, we're saying, you need to prove to me that you're worth it. But in Scripture, that's not the way we live. We don't live and say, you need to prove to me that you're worth earning what I have. According to Jesus, we need to just give it because he gave it to us. Irregardless of whether they deserve it or not, because in truth, if we were to whittle it all down, none of us deserve it. None of us. And so when we say, you need to prove to me that you're worth it, we're saying, I am better than you. You need to prove to me that you're worth earning my respect because it's something of value that you need to have. And you need to prove it to me, earn it in me. We're putting ourselves above somebody else. But in Scripture, just like here with thanks, it's something we need to give, not something that needs to be earned. Not something that, that's a worldly mindset. That's a worldly mindset. Earn it. Earn it. Prove it to me. And I'll take it away as quick as you can get it because I don't think you're worth it. But in Jesus, in Scripture, it's something we give. So Paul says, give thanks. Give it in all circumstances. Offer it up. Be thankful. Be thankful. You say 2020 is not a year where we have much to be thankful for. <laughs> stuff goes crazy. Stuff goes off the wall. Two weeks before Thanksgiving in 2020, we have uh, uh, Friday the 13th, and, and, you know, things are nuts. Everybody's going crazy in the world. you got things getting shut down all over the place again. How can we find something to be thankful? But Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. A man, as an instruction from Paul, <laughs> give thanks no matter what, Paul, he faced constant opposition everywhere he went. People hated his guts. They had his picture on wanted signs. In one city, he was in the city telling people about Jesus. In the middle of him preaching, they grab him, drag him outside the city, and stone him to death. And they go back in the city feeling good about themselves. And what, what happened then? Paul got up, walked right back in the city. Tell more people about Jesus. He, I'm not done yet. I got more stuff to do. 
If, if it's me and I get stoned, I'm not going to go back in the city of the people who just stoned me to death and I'm walking in the marketplace, first century Walmart, and seeing the people who just threw a rock in my face. I'm not going to be doing that. But for Paul, that's who he was. It wasn't the situation that determined his mindset. It was his Jesus. And so for him, he lived this Thanksgiving thing that he's speaking here. These aren't just idle words. This isn't just something he's throwing out. Do what I say, not what I do. Give thanks. He's saying, this is how I live. And so I'm telling you to do the same thing. Give thanks in all circumstances. A man who was in jail a lot. A man who, who wrote a, you know, the majority of the New Testament and the majority of the New Testament, he wrote uh, those instances having just been run out of town on a rail, having been in prison. A bunch of his letters he wrote from prison. He ends up dying for this cause of Christ. But he still had a Thanksgiving mindset. Because for Paul, Thanksgiving wasn't something that was optional. It wasn't something that his, his circumstances needed to prove to him that there was something to be thankful for. For Paul, having received Jesus, there's always something to be thankful for if our eyes are set on Jesus and not the difficulty of the moment or our perception of the difficulty of the moment. You see, in, in thinking about thanksgiving, it, it, we need to understand that thanksgiving is an act of praise, Every time we give thanks to the Lord, it is an act of praise. We're praising God by being thankful. We're praising God by approaching a situation in thanks. It is that not every act of praise is thanksgiving. It can be, but thanksgiving itself, if we are being thanks, if we are giving thanks to the Lord, if we're having this mindset of thanks, then it is an act of praise. We're praising God in giving thanks to Him because of what's going on. We praise God when we thank Him. But giving thanks is not always easy. Am I right? It's okay to talk back. Nobody's going to be used. It's not. It's not always easy to give thanks. When health stuff happens, when family stuff happens, when difficulties come, when job stuff happens, when a uh, variety of things around the world get us down, when uh, uh, financial things hit us, when we think somebody has said something they really didn't say, but we don't really know. We think they said it, and so because we think they said it, we obsess about it, and it changes who we are, and we're not thankful because all we're thinking about is that thing we think somebody said. I know none of you have heard that way. But we begin to, it begins to consume us. It begins to consume our mindset so that we don't have a Thanksgiving mindset any longer because mindsets are like muscles. The more you use them, the stronger they get. And so if our mindset is constantly on something that is not God-honoring, is not God-pleasing, is not praising of the Lord, is not thanksgiving, then our mindset, or our strength of mindset will be in a way that is not the will of God. Because what did Paul say there in 1 Thessalonians 5.18? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Give thanks, this is the will of God. And so if we're not giving thanks in all circumstances, if we're allowing the circumstance to drive our mindset instead of our mindset drive our circumstances, our perception of our circumstances, then that mindset will grow stronger than the Jesus within us in influencing us. Not that the mindset is stronger than Jesus, but in how we allow it to influence us. I mean, I don't know if you remember when Jesus went back to his hometown, Nazareth, the scripture says he was not able to do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. They did not see him as the son of God, and so many miracles, he was restrained from doing miracles because of their lack of faith. 
And so if we don't have this mindset of thanksgiving driving our perspective, driving our faith in Jesus, then we may not encounter many miracles in our lives. And we may allow the negative side of our humanity to grow stronger than the spiritual side of our eternity. And that's why giving thanks is so difficult sometimes. Because as humans, I don't know if you know this about humans, our mind naturally leans towards the negative. And not only does it naturally lean towards the negative, it's almost like we get you know, a dopamine hit when we see something negative. And it makes us feel better about ourselves because we see something negative. And we begin to think something negative about somebody else, and that makes us feel better about ourselves, and so we think about it negative again. I mean, think about the news. How much of the news is negative? Ah, <laughs> yeah. And it's not just because that's all that's happening in the world. The news is a business. They make money because people buy commercials. People buy commercials because people watch their show. People watch their show because they report negative news, and we like watching negative news. I don't know if y'all have ever seen the movie Newsies. Anybody ever seen the musical Newsies? Thank a couple of you. Well, it's on Disney+. Plus. You can go watch it. Yeah, it's a true story. But it's, it's about these kids in the early 1900s selling newspapers. And there's a part of one of the songs where they say, they're, as news, newspaper salesmen, nobody's buying newspapers. And so they're, they're praying for a, 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 a good assassination, an earthquake or a war, so they can sell more newspapers, so they can make more money. <laughs> and that's just newspapers in the early 1900s. You know that's what's going on in the newsrooms today. If something bad is going on, if it's not, they can fabricate it or find it so they can have more people watching them, sell more commercials, make more money. It's a business. And we got to know that watching it going in. That's just the way they operate. That's the way all businesses operate because they want to make money. And so this, they feed our, our negative leaning so much so that we rarely thank God in specificity beyond the generalities we learn as children. My family, my clothes, my house, my food, which absolutely we should be thanking God for those things. But sometimes we stop at those things. And we don't thank God for more than that in depth about what he's doing for us and in us moment by moment. We don't want to think about it because we're so consumed with the negative of other things. And so we want to thank God. And so we thank God, check, 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 house, clothes, food, family, I'm good. Sometimes I'll thank God for my pet if it didn't do something in my house. But I'll thank God for, for, for those things. And I won't go beyond that. I won't go in depth in my thanksgiving. I won't delve much deeper. But in truth, our thanksgiving does delve deeper because the Lord's goodness, power, and provision delve so much deeper within us. You see, we will find giving thanks incredibly difficult if we practice the negative mind of the cynic. You know, I would... <laughs> Uh, the Lord was giving me this message uh, in that word earlier in the week, and I watched a message this morning, and there was a preacher using that exact phrase. Uh, the, the way the Lord works is, is phenomenal. Uh, but if we practice the mind, the negative mindset of the cynic, where everyone else and everything is bad, it's just bad. Everyone else's motives are bad, what they're thinking, or maybe just one individual, what that person is, they are bad, and what they're doing is bad, and I know how they think because I know all things. And so they are bad. So we're thinking in this negative mindset, and that negative mindset is the mind of the cynic, that it's not the mind of the Lord, not the will of God, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It's not the Thanksgiving mindset. It's negatively, negatively viewing circumstances and, and individuals. They're consistently distrusting the, the motives of other people even if it's just one individual. 
And that mind of the cynic, that negative mindset will grow stronger the more we use it. It will grow heavier within us the more we use it, the more we depend on it. Or mindsets are like couches. The more you pile on it, the heavier it gets. Let me illustrate that for you physically. Jonathan, will you come up here? Jose, will you come up here? Clint, will you come up here? You see, when we think negatively, it can overwhelm us. I've got a big board up here. Now, hey, Jonathan, why don't you come over here? Jose, why don't you kind of stand in the middle? Clint, stand right there in front of the couch. And so this couch represents our mind, our mindset, the way we see the world. And if I have a negative thought, not that these guys are negative, they're all positive. These are all positive. But for the course of the, for the sake of the illustration, these are negatives. Okay? But wives, the, they're positives in your life. You need to be thanking God for all three of them. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not funny. Don't be laughing. What you, I see all three of the wives smiling. Okay. But if I have a negative thought about my life in this perspective of the couch, here, sit down. It weighs the couch down a little bit. If I go over here and I try to move my mindset around, ugh, that's not going to happen. Not because Jonathan's really heavy at all. That's not it. Uh, but then I begin to think about that and focus on that negative thought more and more. Have a seat. And the couch gets heavier. And so now if I'm trying to follow the will of God, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, to have a thankful mindset, and I'm focusing on the negative thoughts, and I try to move that mindset a little bit, yeah, that's not really happening at all now. And then I continue to focus on that mindset, whether it be something I saw on the news, something I saw on Twitter, something I thought somebody said but they didn't really say, something I thought about somebody else's motives that I didn't really know but I assumed because I make all kinds of assumptions and expectations about other people not knowing really what's going on because I'm not God. But then I begin to think about this more and more. Have a seat, Clint. And the couch, the mindset is weighed down by the negativity. So if this is the negative side of the fulcrum of the seesaw, if you don't like the fulcrum, and I try to push this thing and try to get it to move, uh, and this board represents me. This is the negative mindset. This side is the positive mindset, the thanksgiving mindset of the Lord. And if I try to, to move the mindset over here to what is the will of God, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, I'm going to break because I can't move it, because my mind is consumed with the heaviness that I've weighed on the negative side of everything, because that's all I'm thinking about, because that's all I'm ingesting, that's all I'm seeing. Maybe that's all the friends you've surrounded yourself with are the negative friends and the negative mindset and the negative thoughts, and all they ever say are negative things about politics, negative things about uh, other people in the church, negative things about our church, negative things about the community, negative things about Christians, negative things about something they saw about Christians online. And then all you are are weighing down the negative couch in your mind and you can't get over here to where the will of God is because it's so heavy over here it's not going to move by itself you can't push down on this side to make it pop up like a Looney Tunes deal you can't go over behind it and pick it up yeah because you're not strong enough you can't do it that way. The only way to do it is actually in the context of that verse we just read. 
I didn't read you the whole sentence on purpose. Y'all hang out just a second. Their seat's more comfortable than y'all's. I should have brought water. I'm kind of out of breath. <laughs> I shouldn't have worked out this morning. That was good right there. Um, so go back a little bit. The only way to lighten the load and shift our mindset is to utilize that full context of what God demonstrated in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. The will of God, which is what? Where does the sentence begin? Verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All three. Okay? Did you catch it? The will of God, in verse 18, inseparably, inseparably links all three of those things. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoicing, praying, and thanking are all needed to reassign your mind. They're all needed. Rejoicing, praying, thanking. But you see, because if you're rejoicing always, that means you have what? Joy, which <laughs> you may have seen. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. Uh, uh, Ephesians, was it? I think it's Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. I think that's in there. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. What's the second thing listed there? Joy. The fruit of the Spirit, which in that verse, those two verses, the fruit of the Spirit means the proof of the Spirit in you are those things. And so the proof that the Spirit is in you, one of them is joy. The proof that you have the Spirit of God, which we know if you believe in Jesus, you have the Spirit of God. If you have the Spirit of God, you have the uh, capacity, the capability, and the opportunity for those things. It doesn't mean you're going to seize all nine of them. It just means the opportunity is there for it. If you don't have the Spirit of God, then those things are not present in you. You don't have hope of achieving those. I mean, you can achieve some cheap imitation of those. I mean, happiness instead of joy, but happiness is just a very cheap imitation of what joy truly is. But if you have those things, then the Spirit is within you. If the Spirit is within you, then you have the ability to accomplish what we just read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. To rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, that, that, that rejoice always, all circumstances, I mean, you can look it up in the Greek. It means the same thing it does in the English. It means always. It means all circumstances. It means all. Rejoice always. Always have joy within you. And I, give, I guarantee you, even if your mindset has been consumed, maybe it's generational. Maybe that mindset was handed down by a parent who was this way. And they received it from a grandparent who was that way. And it's a generational mindset curse that you can't release. But it can stop with you. It doesn't have to be passed on. It's not some inheritance that they're going to get when they read your will. It's not going to continue on if you shut it down now with Jesus. If you stop focusing on these things and start focusing on the the rejoicing always, and you rejoice always because you're looking at Jesus, not looking at these things. I don't know what I'm stepping on. Max sitting in the room. I just stepped on something. Nobody tell her. <laughs> you, you're rejoicing always because you're not looking at these things. 
Unless you're married to him, then you are, and you are rejoicing always. But if you're not looking at the negative things, then you're rejoicing always, and, and the couch begins to get lighter. Yeah. And so it begins to get lighter, and it begins to get lighter because I'm not focusing on the negative. I'm rejoicing instead of that. Oh, yeah, y'all go have a seat. Thank you, guys. Weren't they great? They did so much. I just... <laughs> good job, good job, good job. Rejoicing. See, now, here's the deal, though. If we're doing those three things, rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, thanking God in those circumstances, we cannot have a negative mindset. It's not just you, 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 you're fighting constantly. It's impossible. It's impossible. If you're rejoicing always, it is impossible to have that mindset because your eyes are always on Jesus. If you're thanking God constantly, it's impossible to have a negative mindset because your eyes aren't on those things that are weighing your mind down on the negative side of your life, of the, 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 the symptoms of sin pulling you towards negativity. Your mind is constantly on what God has done for you and how he's provided for you, how his presence is always with you. It's how Paul can find joy being in prison, waiting to have his head cut off, not because he's anticipating that moment, but because his eyes are on Jesus, not on the difficulty that's right in front of him. It's only because of Jesus he's able to walk through the difficulty that's in front of him. It's only because of Jesus. That doesn't mean you don't ever confront anything or don't ever make, you know, tough decisions. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you have to walk the road of, you know, no money. Sometimes you have to walk the road of, of health crisis, even of death. But the only way it can be done is with Jesus and not allowing the sin-soaked, negative, cynical mindset pull you into the depths that will be passed on to the next generation. Only through Jesus, finding joy in Jesus, rejoicing, praying, thanking. Because something that happens, I didn't go to the next verse, but I am. When we don't do those three, those three things, the will of God, something happens. Verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. When we're not rejoicing, when we're not praying, when we're not thanking, always, constantly, without ceasing, we extinguish the fire of the spirit within us. That word quench literally means in the original language, extinguish. Put out the fire of the spirit within you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not extinguish the fire of the Spirit within you. And I guarantee you, if our mind is, con is constantly consumed with the negative thoughts, with, with, with you know, uh, uh, mind-changing negative thoughts, we're not filled with the Spirit. Have you ever seen somebody filled with the Spirit who is consumed with negative thoughts? No. You can't. It's impossible. It's impossible to be filled with the Spirit, focused on Jesus, and have negative thoughts constantly bombarding who you are. You can't do it. And so this, he gives us a three-step process. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And allow him to change us from within. 
Jesus, did not, he does not expect you to do this on your own because as you saw me try to lift the couch, I can't do it on my own. I can't. I can't. It takes Jesus to do it. I can try to force those thoughts out of my mind, but they're just going to come back if I try to do it. If I try to do it, then that's what's going to happen. It's, they're just going to come back. But if I don't try to remove them, but instead replace them and just focus on Jesus, then he will take care of the cleaning out. He will take care of the cleanup. He will take care uh, of removing that stuff if I keep my mind focused on Jesus. Because what Jesus came to do, he came to renew your mind. I mentioned this verse earlier, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so if I'm transformed, then I'm following the will of God. I have to transform my mind. He says right there in the verse, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Allow your mind to be renewed, which we've seen over this series on heaven we went through these last four weeks, that the renewal of us comes as we believe in Jesus. He will renew who we are. And the moment we believe, he renews us internally, spiritually. And then when we die, he renews us physically. But here, the renewal that Paul's writing about in Romans 12 too is spiritual, is within you. Your mind is renewed by Jesus. Not by a mantra, you say. Not by some magic words, but by Jesus pulling you there. By Jesus pulling those thoughts off of your mindset couch and taking you to where you need to be. And in that, he can give you the supreme joy with the presence of his spirit. And so you have to ask yourself, do you want that mindset? Of course, everybody's going to say, yeah, I don't want to have a negative mindset. I don't want that to be my legacy. I, I want to have the mindset of Jesus. I want to have the mindset of thankfulness. He writes there, which is the will of God. I don't want to be out of the will of God. I want the mind of Christ. I want to be set free from this generational curse of, of, of negativity and cynicism. And to do that, we have to believe in Jesus and begin to practice those three things in consistency. Rejoicing, praying, thanking. In consistency, because consistency yields results. Consistency yields results. It's why every magic diet pill in the bottom says, if you take this along with good diet and exercise. They all say that because good diet and exercise is the consistency you need to accomplish it in the first place. Consistent. I remember doing a, a workout plan many years ago. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of it, but it's a 90-day workout plan that you can accomplish extreme results. Uh, you can get there, some of you. But I quit on about day 60 instead of 90 because I was like, it's not doing what the dude on the commercial says it does. I'm done. This is just wasting my time doing this mess. But quitting on day 60 instead of going all the way to day 90 wasn't going to do anything because it needed the consistency of the full time to accomplish what it set out to accomplish. The purpose for which it was made. It needs consistency. You, you, <laughs> you can't go, uh, uh, I'm just going to feed on God's word one meal a day once a week and have it in consistency transform me. How many times do you eat in a week? Meals? Snacks, dessert, don't raise your hand. <laughs> and then how many times do we 
feed on the word a week, a month, a year. And we wonder why spiritually we are who we are or why we can't get to this thanksgiving mindset, to this mindset of God's will rejoicing and praying and thanking. Because honestly, we haven't allowed his word to run its course within us in consistency. Because it is. Consistency yields results. I ended up seeing a thing, actually, about that workout program. It was a, an article that said, well, if you do anything for 90 days, exercise in any capacity for that length of time every day for 90 days, it's going to change you. If you, in if you in consistency, through consistency, take God's word and, and, and <laughs> permeate your life with it, it's going to change you. Change you in a way that cannot be unchanged. It will shift your mindset from one of complete negativity to come Thanksgiving, your family saying, what in the world happened to you? Man, just two weeks ago, you were talking this, that, and the other, and I saw you on Facebook posting that thing about the election and saying this about the people who voted different from you, and I saw you saying this thing about that other person in church, and I saw you, I heard you, you said this at lunch. You said, well, I've been transformed. I'm not who I was. I'm different now than I was. My mindset has changed to one of Jesus. And it may take some time. I promise you, it's going to take time. Because years of muscle memory may need to be unlearned within you. That when you've heard something, when, undoubtedly, if you make a decision to try to follow Jesus in this way, to have this Thanksgiving mindset, to have this always rejoicing, always praying, always thanking mindset, the enemy is going to bring something to you this afternoon that's going to try to mess you up. Somebody's going to bring news and introduce it. Maybe even in your Sunday school class, your small group, you're going to go to somebody in just a minute. Somebody's going to say something in that class, and you're going to be like, oh, new gossip. That's something new or negative about so-and-so that they, they didn't really hear. It's hearsay. I mean, they heard it, and now I'm hearing it from them, and so it's not really real, but they, it's negative, and so I'm just going to feed off of that. It's going to drive me. And the enemy's going to bring that to you because he does. Because you're not the first person like you the enemy's ever seen. He's been tempting people like you for thousands of years. But in the same regard, you've got a Jesus that's far more powerful than he ever will be. And if you focus on Jesus and give over to Jesus and, and, and rejoice and pray and thank constantly, consistent, consistently, everything will change. Your negative mindset couch will change from one side to the other. Not because you moved it, but because he did, if you're focused on him. And together, all of us accomplishing this can bring a little more joy into the world if we're focused on the joy of Jesus at every moment. We can introduce this. And so here's the challenge. Here's a physical challenge I want you to do, all right, for the next seven days, or if you're, you know, really into it, from now until Thanksgiving. I want you to do three things every day, and I want you to write them down. Because I was told by a very wise man one time, if it's not written down, it's not. It's, you're going to forget it. It's going to go out of your head. It's just not going to happen. So here's the three things. Every morning, do these three things. I want you to write down something positive to rejoice about, something positive to pray about, you say, but I usually just pray about negative stuff that I want things to change. I want people to conform to my will. 
I want them to do what I want them to do. And so I pray according to that. They need to do, God, that person's life is so off the rails. You need to make them do this, God, because I know best. God, make them do that. Maybe you don't pray that way. Maybe you're holy. So I want you to, pray, I want you to write these things down. Something positive to rejoice about, something positive to pray about, and something positive to thank God for. Inconsistency over the next little bit. Seven days, or maybe you go all the way through Thanksgiving. What's that? Eleven days. And see what God does with your mindset. See if he doesn't change you. Because I, having done this, I'll tell you, what will end up happening is as you walk into the next day, having done this for several days, you will begin to think through the day as you're going through the day, well, that's something I can rejoice about. That's something I can pray about. That's something I can thank God for, and I'll write that down tomorrow. Maybe you'll end up writing down more things throughout the day than just at the beginning of the day the next day. Maybe God will begin to transform you in a way you never thought possible. And that generational curse of negativity that you were handed down, you're going to flip the script and hand down something else to the next generation. Something completely different. And they've only ever known you as the negative person. But only ever known your, you know, parent as the negative person. Your grandparent is that negative person. Your brother, your sister is that negative person. And you're about to change everything in your family line because of this right here. Rejoicing, praying, thanking for what God is doing, what God will do in you. It's going to, I guarantee you, (laughs) when that one family member brings up that political thing at Thanksgiving dinner and you have to bite your tongue physically to restrain yourself (laughs) because you want to verbally slap them all across the room, maybe that's not you. You don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, that source you pulled that from is so terrible. You, you just got that off of Wikipedia. You don't even know what you mean, crazy person. I don't even know how we're related. Get out of here. I'll see you at Christmas. You, you know. But if you begin to shift your mind and, and, and in this Thanksgiving mindset of rejoicing and praying and thanking, that won't even begin to enter your mind at that moment. And it'll be almost like looking at yourself in the third person, like, who is that person? They're not responding in anger or hostility, but rather they're being thankful of all God has provided for them for that moment, for that day, for that instant. Just try it, okay? Just try it and see what happens. Try it and see what happens. It's just three things. Just write them down. Just three things. Every Just real quick, boom, 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 write them down and just see what happens. See if the Lord doesn't do something in you. See if he doesn't change something in you. See if he doesn't change something in your spouse, in your kids, in your neighbors, in your family members because of this. See what happens when we begin to focus on the positive aspects of all God has provided rather than the negative aspects of the sin sin symptoms in this world. And see what God can do in you and through you. Maybe, maybe you've never experienced this because you've never experienced Jesus. And you need to know Jesus today. Maybe you need to know the joy that comes from Jesus, the peace that comes from Jesus. And how a man like Paul can be sitting in prison awaiting beheading and can write things and pray and thank and praise God because of the Jesus he knows is greater than the circumstances he's experiencing. Maybe you need to know Jesus for the first time today. That Jesus is God's son. 
that he died so all of your sins would be forgiven, all of them, even the stuff you haven't told anybody about, even the stuff that's just in your head and you haven't mentioned to anybody because they would think, how depraved is that person? But he's already forgiven you of that if you believe in him. Believe in Jesus, all your sins are forgiven, all of them. And then he rose from the dead so that you can live after you die. And if you believe in Jesus, you get forgiveness, you get heaven, and you get life eternal. If you follow Jesus, believe in Jesus today. And if you want to do that here in the room, then I ask you just to believe right now. Believe that Jesus, God's son, died and rose from the dead so all your sins would be forgiven and you can live forever. If you're online, if you're online and you want to believe in that, just click that button, that link right below me. It says, I made a decision. Just click on that. And we want to celebrate with you. We'll contact you today. Just click on that. Let us know that you want to believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and then follow him in this way. Because as we read at the very beginning of the message, the very first verse we read was, this is God's will for you. This is his will for you. This is God's will for you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. 